Do you like to be the first name of your sex tape? Well, if you like to be the first to listen to podcasts, you might want to check out our Patreon because now we're offering a brand new membership tier called Name of Your Sex Tape. I couldn't help it, guys. I'm sorry. For five pounds a month, you'll get an ad-free version of our weekly episode on a Tuesday, a full day earlier than its usual release. So you can be the very first to talk about how funny our guest was, how quickly you cracked the case, or how badly I answered a question. Plus, you'll get all the benefits of our regular tier, including our live Zoom records, a special shout out on the podcast, and if you really like to hear us talk, we've got an entire back catalog of extra content. Check it out on patreon.com forward slash drunk women solving crime. Name of your sex tape. Name of your sex tape. Name of your sex tape. Fancy coming along to see Drunk Women Solving Crime live? Ooh, yes please. Why not join us for our monthly London residency at the marvellous Museum of Comedy? We've got monthly shows through to June. Plus, every show is a double header, so you get to see us record not one, but two episodes with two fantastic guests. You can find tickets on our website, drunkwomensolvingcrime.com. Shows are selling out fast, so be quick. Noise. Noise. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Drunk Women Solving Crime. My name's Hannah George and I'm a screenwriter. I'm joined by author and comedian Katie Wilkins. Hello. And writer-comedian Taylor Glenn. Hello. This is where absinthe meets arson, Negroni meets necrophilia, and Grand Marnier meets Grand Theft Auto. It's a true crime podcast with a twist of lime. Coming up on Drunk Women Solving Crime. Where was that when I was auditioning for X Factor? (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm going to do from now on, like, stereotype clap. (laughs) You can't pee when you're sliding. I mean, I've only got two dimensions, actually, to be fair. (laughs) Now it's time for Drunk Women Solving Crime. Hello and welcome to Drunk Women Solving Crime. Lockdown is slightly easing, the sun is out, and I'm delighted to introduce comedy actor and writer, Alexa Strum. myself. Please do. How are you? <laughs> do you know what? I'm, I'm good. The strain of parenting has hit me today like a big wall. Okay. <laughs> um, other than that, I'm absolutely tickety-boo. Thank you. I've got a <laughs> mini bottle of wine, ready to solve some crime. That's good. In time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. And also I should mention to our listeners, because it is an audio podcast, uh, Alexis is drinking straight from the bottle and we are, <laughs> I mean, we're here for it. It's... <laughs> But also because it's a mini bottle, she kind of looks like a giant. It's it's great. Yeah. I know, it's good, isn't it? But I'm trying to keep that kind of, you know, like, because we can't go to Ibiza at the moment. Mm. 
I feel like I'm paying it forward for the people who are listening that may be thinking I really wanted to go to Ibiza and drink out of a bottle uh, at <laughs> three in the morning. I'm, I'm paying that forward for them. <laughs> to me, that's, that's nice. like getting a train home after work, drinking from a little bottle of wine. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I also, Ibiza. Right. <laughs> we have one question, which is, Alexis, have you ever been the victim of a crime? Well, in fact, yes, I have. <laughs> Let me tell you. So I was racking my brains because there were a few. I feel like a lot of your guests say this as well, which is troubling me, but there were a few. Um, but the one that is most recent was about two years ago. I I was doing some babysitting for a friend and I parked my car up in, she lived in an apartment block and I parked my car up, went and babysat, got back to the car and there was a note under the windscreen. Ooh. And it said, you have hit my car. Oh. You owe me £1,700. What? <laughs> Ring this number. <laughs> Quite straight to the point. Wow. Yeah, criminal minds, eh? Aren't they intelligent? So I thought, well, this is crazy. I haven't hit a car, but you know when you just... You doubt yourself, because if anyone accuses mm-hmm. you of anything, you always think, oh, my God, did I? I don't think yeah. I did. Yeah. Um, so like second-guessing myself. And then I saw one of the other residents come by, and I was like, do you know whose car this is? And they said, oh, yeah, it's number four. So Ooh. I thought, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll go and knock on the door oh, God, and have it out with him. So I went wow. and banged on the door. No one answered. And I could hear shuffling. I went, hello, you put a note on my car. I'm outside. Why did you put a note on my car? And I can hear this weak little voice. This guy's like, uh, uh, I mean, you hit my car. You hit my car. And I'm like, I didn't. And how did you come to that number anyway? That's a very precise number. And he was just like shouting. We had this massive argument through the door. Because he was too scared (laughs) to come out. You know that thing when you don't know how big someone is? Um, And obviously I sounded quite large. So he, he just didn't come out. I'm screaming through the door and then he's like, right, well, I'm going to the police. I'm like, right, well, I'm going to the police. So I actually took my child. And I'm on the right side of the door to do that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I've got a car that still works. So I got in the car, drove to the local police station and gave a statement. I said, this guy's like, you know, this guy's harassing me. So I gave the phone number to the policeman and he rang the guy told him off and then about an hour or two later I got a phone call from the guy apologising wow. how weird though but my daughter loved it because we went to the police station it was her first time in a police station <laughs> <laughs> she was like oh this is great oh mummy I met a policeman um, I mean the reality was actually a lot bleaker horrible going to police stations but yeah so um, I didn't have to pay the money but I thought what a strange and crappy crime to commit my thoughts exactly like so many things wrong i could we could all give this guy some tips can i ask a question (laughs) Mm. was his car actually smashed up well i took loads of photos of it as you do um i couldn't see anything wrong and he was he was saying oh you've dented the side and da 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 and i thought how how amazing to go through life that arrogant (laughs) And sure of yourself that anyone who parks their car next to you is basically, um, you know, a criminal. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just like, I, I found it so fascinating that, yeah, like, and also he hadn't thought that perhaps I was vid- visiting someone in the very small apartment block and he might encounter me again. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's just- yeah, that's what's so stupid about this. Like, 
I, I, was this in London, by the way? Yeah, it was in Wanstead. So it like even more of a reason, like, because we do that thing of, oh, maybe I just didn't notice and I was driving. So what I would do if I were this guy is you, you target somebody way out of your yeah, neighborhood. This, this guy yeah. is shitting on his own doorstep. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and like, if he's not brave enough to open the door to a woman, like you need a better <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. And the thing is, I'm not a confrontational person at all. And and it was like, I actually felt quite proud of myself that I dealt with it. But you know, sometimes when you're mm. in that moment and you have that, was that film called Falling Down with um, Michael oh, Douglas, yes. where he just, oh. he just flips. Mm-hmm. And when you're in that energy that you, you can just do or say anything. Yeah. Um, like my, my voice was shaking a bit in the beginning, but then I, I sort of found... <laughs> I found my voice. Yeah. Um, you know, screaming through the door and everything. <laughs> <laughs> I do hope you channeled your authentic self. I did. My authentic self, like, snapped up. She bent and snapped into action. My um, voice always gives me away, though, in, like, confrontations or even just arguments or whatever. I'm like, I'm not upset. I'm like, like, yeah, it goes full vibrato, doesn't it? You're like, <laughs> like, where was that when I was auditioning for X Factor? But yeah, it does. <laughs> it's really scary when that happens. But wow, what a power. When you push through it mm. and you don't cry. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, half of my life as an adult woman is is basically trying not to cry out of So anything where I managed to get past that barrier. Wow. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't know if I ever have gotten past that barrier, but yeah, mm. we got to keep trying. And then like it's, Elizabeth it's like Taylor's the, on the other the side. The speed of sound once yeah. you've done it. Anything is possible. Yeah. I also love that the story ends with like a fourth grade apology. <laughs> Say you're sorry for your crappy crime. The police said you had to. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite weird, isn't it? Because, um, I've had other things happen where I never got an apology. Someone once used my credit card to rack up. Um, they bought a motorbike for 16 grand. Now, I didn't even know I had that much credit on my credit card. That is amazing yeah. credit. Well done. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Isn't that good? And I never got an apology there, but I did get the money back. It was, you know, it was recovered and stuff. So it was quite nice. It felt kind of old school, like, you know, an, an episode of Heartbeat or something where, <laughs> yeah. or, you know, in the 1960s, you probably get sat down and, you know. Well, that'd be a nice motorbike as well in the 60s, wouldn't it? Kind of like, oh, like yeah. an old one. <laughs> Yeah. I didn't realise motorbikes were that much. I mean, I don't know anything about bikes, but no, is that standard? Seems- that sounds like a good motorbike. I'm no <laughs> expert. <laughs> sounds like a... He was very generous with my credit, wasn't he? I think, yeah. <laughs> wow. The other question we ask on this podcast is like, mm. what would you say to that person now? So this guy who, again, like just thinking about it, that 17, what was it? 1,700 quid, he said, is what you yeah. owed him. Like, I think it was 1,705 pounds, actually, I think it was. <laughs> you know, when you lie, you've got to put the detail in. So he's yeah. yeah. obviously told him that, and he went, yes, I'll make it 1,705. Um, As yeah. though, like, what? Like, you were just going to have the cash, and you were going to, like, I just don't get... Because you have to go through insurance yeah. and stuff, don't you? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's it doesn't make sense, does it, at all? No. It's a truly atrocious crime. But also, if you'd have seen, like, my car is is so old and it's got no hubcaps. I don't know how, if you were picking, if you're picking someone who's going to be your victim for this kind of crime, I don't think that I, I think he was, he was like getting to the dredges of victims that night. And he was like, okay, I'll pick the person part next to me. I, I, I suppose he has to pick the person part next to him. I also, part of me wonders if he thought you were somebody else, like any, and you know, maybe someone else has your car that same car and he's like 
this person won't want to go to insurance. They're going to want to keep this oh. off book. They're, wanting, they're going to want to do cash in hand. This is a really clever idea to the person in this car. But then it turned out that th- that person wasn't you. I'm completely bullshit. Like, I have no... That it makes be. about as much sense as anything else because it makes no sense. <laughs> it makes no sense. But then also I was thinking like, you know David Blaine when he does the magic tricks and he picks 30 <laughs> people mm. and one person it will work out on. I wonder yeah. how many times mm. he's done this and actually someone's given him money. Oh, do you think someone just gives him like 50 quid to just like leave it like to oh, think, yeah, yeah, it could be, playing yeah. those odds? Yeah, it could be. And then you, because you always win with something. You always get something out of someone, yeah. don't you, with that? And you will find the person who doesn't want to go through insurance. I was thinking that, like, that, but yes. that's the one part of it. I was like, yeah. Uh, also, though, I don't know much about being a mentalist, and I believe that's what they're called, like the Darren <laughs> Brown, the David Blaines. But right, I'm pretty right. sure, like, if you're going to get somebody to sort of, like, literally when you say, no, this is the card, this is the thing. But yeah. like, you have to have more confidence than, oh, I'm behind a door and I'm scared of a woman. Like, <laughs> yeah, this yeah. guy is not, he's not the guy. But what would you say to him if he was in front of you right now or behind a door? Gosh, what would I say to him? Well, did you forgive him when he apologised? I did, actually, because I thought I'm very British in that respect and I felt like <laughs> I had closure. I was like, oh, that's ever so nice. Oh, we all, it all ended, all's well that ends well. I would just <laughs> say, next time, I would, I would round your figure down. Mm. I would round it down to 1,700 on the dot um, because the, the 05 made it seem suspicious. Or even 1,699. Even yeah, exactly. It was just the figure was suspicious. Um, so you'd give him career advice. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, he needs it. I wonder. Better. He's perfectly suited to lockdown, though, because I doubt he's left his flat since that day. He's so yeah. terrified of me um, and the potential for harm. Uh, so, you know, he's probably thriving in lockdown at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> Well, oh, wow. Man. Thank you for cool. sharing that utterly bizarre story with us. Pleasure. <laughs> now it's time for drunk women solving crime. What a good segue into our crime today, which is also utterly bizarre. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about a man called Brian Robson. Now, straight up, I should tell you, Brian Robson is still alive. And the reason I chose this story is because He's appealed recently. I don't know if you've seen this in the newspapers because it's been in the news recently. If mm-hmm. you have, hold back on the information. But um, basically, he tried to appeal to find the people who assisted him in his crime because he wants to buy them the beer. So this is where we're starting. So, wow. the year is 1964. The place is Australia. And Brian has just arrived there from Wales, age 19. Now, what do you think, um, Alexis, have you heard this story? I have heard this story, okay. but I can pretend that I have heard it. <laughs> it's all right. There's lots, of, there's lots more detail in it. Okay. Um, but I, I will ask you to answer last when I ask you to guess what yeah. happened. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, I won't mouth it. I won't Darren... Uh, <laughs> Darren Brown it. Darren Brown, yeah. Darren Blaine. Yeah. Darren this is Blaine. the answer we're looking for. <laughs> Darren Blaine. Now, that would be a nightmare mix, wouldn't it? <laughs> And so what do you think a 19-year-old from Wales is doing in Australia in 1964? Looking for new kinds of sheep. Boom! (laughs) (laughs) Married to a Welsh guy. It's just a little inside joke. It's all right. (laughs) Is this preempting the trolls? Preempt the trolls every time you make a joke about Wales. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, to be fair, that's the most stereotypical joke about Wales Taylor's ever made. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe we've got 150 episodes in. That's why I did the clap, though, to mark the stereotype. Ah. Like, that's what I'm going to do from now on, like, stereotype clap. <laughs> oh, I it's love It's like the- an improv game. You pass it on. Yeah. <laughs> pass the shame. <laughs> um, feel, now it feels like an early episode of The American Office. <laughs> Katie, what do you think? What happened? What, what would you... It's okay. What, it's 1964. He's 19. He's Welsh and he's in Australia. That is everything I've told you so far. Okay. He's either looking to learn how to surf. Okay. Um, or he is maybe he's got a great engineering job. I bet they had lots of engineering in Australia. <laughs> or maybe... <laughs> I don't think you'd go to Australia for like LSD or something. He's done a crime though, but maybe he doesn't start out trying to do a crime. He wants to be a surfer. I'm going with surfer. We've got surfer. We've got sheep. Alexis, we've left you with almost nothing. But what have you got? <laughs> so hang on. The question is what he was going yeah. there for. Right. So I'm not actually sure what he was going there for, but I think <laughs> I know this story because he he was... Can I say what? what I don't think? say what happened. Okay. So what do I think he was getting going to yeah. Australia for? Um, because all the big actors that become Hollywood actors start off in Neighbours or Home and Away. So I reckon he was going to, he was trying to get a part as an extra, um, for Carl, who I believe is still in Neighbours, um, (laughs) and Susan was also still in Neighbours. And I think he was going to try and be like their love child. Nice. Okay. 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 Acting. (laughs) I always remember when Alan Fletcher, who's the guy that plays Carl Kennedy, like when I was at uni, he became like came and played at unis with his guitar. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, because he like he was like, oh my god, people love our music, my music. But really, it's because you're Carl Kennedy from Neighbours. Like, yeah. Um, so, Katie, you were kind of the closest because Brian was taking part. Um, well, in terms of engineering, basically, he goes and works for Victorian Railways in Victoria. Yes. There you go. And I always think it's funny how they're called Victorians. That's what people from Victoria are called. And I always uh, imagine them in top yeah. hats and like like they're time travellers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's what that you meant. I'm sorry. On them. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh my god, Katie, I made a face when you're like, maybe he was an engineer. I'm like, what? That's outlandish. And then <laughs> you're spot on. To be fair, I'm not sure he was engineering because yes he was <laughs> yeah well Katie's a genius <laughs> female workplace <laughs> he he was a bus conductor in Wales and then he went to work with the trains and part of me thinks all right but well he's he's got to fund the the, the dream <laughs> yes well yeah exactly so basically he was taking part in the assisted passage migration scheme uh, which meant the Australian government um. would pay for your flights to Australia to start a new life um, the migrants were known as the £10 poms um, because it cost just £10 in processing. Oh, my God. My friend's mum did this. No way. And you had to stay there for two years or something mm-hmm. or they, or you had to pay them back. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's exactly, this is what Brian did in the 60s. Um, so he was working in Victoria. Um, there was a hostel laid on for him. When he got there, he described it as a rat-infested hole. Uh, he was immediately homesick um, and decides... After That's less called Hurith if you're Welsh. I'm just going to be throwing in little references the whole episode. I'm sorry. <laughs> Taylor's annoyed with Wales today. <laughs> Do you know that word, though? It's such a great word. Hurith. Hurith for homesick. Yeah. 
It's like this deep, deep longing for home. It's a Welsh word. Oh, okay, you weren't insulting them. I take it back. No, no, not at all. It's an actual word, although I think it translates to, like, mother issues. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So basically, I mean, Katie is on fire tonight because my next question was, why can't he go home? But Katie's already said that it was basically you have to stay there for two years. You're locked in. Oh, my gosh. they got to get their money's worth. Mm, exactly. Because um, now it's actually quite hard to migrate. To oh, they won't let you in for love nor money. Yeah, they've mm. got a huge waiting list and absolutely no concrete way of doing it. Like, it's really random how they choose. It looks random how they let people in now. Isn't it over 30s can't go unless you've got a certain amount of cash, which is impossible. It's just impossible <laughs> in this it's, economic climate. Come yeah, on, yeah, guys. Yeah. Can't even buy it's, a house. It's impossibly hard. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I think it's something like, I remember my brother went there. He moved, well, moved there for a year or something. And you have to do like two months working on the, like, um, the farms and stuff, doing fruit picking. Like whoever you are, you have to go and you have to do your two months or something like that. Um, But these, like back in the day. Or did someone just tell him that? (laughs) (laughs) They left a note on his car saying you have 7,000 pounds worth of berry picking. So now that would be an interesting scam if you could get a flight list and you pretend you're like a taxi driver and you hold up the name and then you could rope them into schemes like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Lots of tips for uh, prospective criminals on tonight's episode. (laughs) Yeah, so basically, um, you'd have to pay them back for the flight there, you'd have to pay for your flight home. And that all amounted to about £800, and he was only Mm -hmm. earning £30 a week. So it's impossible. It's impossible to get home. So here's the crux of it. Alexis, (laughs) I'm going to say so it's impossible to calculate how many weeks he'd have to work. (laughs) I, I stand by it. It is impossible. It is. Um, That's a lot of maths. <laughs> Alexis, I'm going to ask you to go last because mm-hmm. we're getting to the thing that you know. Okay. So, Taylor, Katie, what do you think this guy does about being homesick? Uh, he gets some Welsh cakes. <laughs> okay, we've got Welsh cakes. Well, if we started with he wants to buy a beer to the people who helped him, I feel like the crime is going to be, yeah, like stealing an Australian identity to get back. He's going to pretend he's somebody else so he can get back home. Okay. With the help Ooh, of like a some... swap with somebody. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Oh, I like identity swaps rather than identity theft. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a whole genre on Netflix, actually, uh, with various Disney characters playing. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there's the Princess Switch. There's oh some yeah, other ones. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the other ones. <laughs> the whole um, thing. So yeah. <laughs> this is me describing literally fucking everything. I love it. <laughs> I really like. I've totally, I totally. I couldn't remember the word for belt. The other day, like just a belt. And I was like gesturing it. And my husband's like, a cummerbund. Uh, What? Like a a A fanny pit. And I was like, no, the simple, the simple thing. I once forgot how to spell it. I wrote it E-E-T. And I was like, that's not right. That's when you know you're having a bad day. (laughs) I forgot today. I was trying to write the word phenomenal. And I just did not know how to spell it. You know, when you're like, and I Googled it and it was like, there's nothing matching that. And when Google can't even <laughs> vaguely guess what you're trying to say. I was like, it can't be F. I'm sure it's PH, but. That's oh my great. Gosh. 
Yeah. Eventually I got there and it was phenomenal. <laughs> but what I'm <laughs> saying is, Alexis, tell us. So I think this is the dude who got two young guys to smuggle him out of the country in something like a trunk, a sealed trunk. It was oh, no. It's, but I tell you what, Taylor's Taylor's option of doing the identity swap would have been a much better story. So um, I know they're making a film of this, but maybe they could get Taylor on as the like creative consultant. <laughs> um, just, you know, ramp the story up a bit. Oh, my uh, God. I've seen, now I know the headline, like I vaguely saw a headline about this. Yes, um, yeah. Yeah, okay. I get claustrophobic on like a flight when I have a regular seat to myself. So the idea of that flight yeah. in a fucking trunk, like, I'm sorry, but your your little valleys are not that great, bro. Like, <laughs> what is wrong with you? It's the longest journey. This is like worse than what Paddington went through in Paddington 1. <laughs> Katie, it's just two years. Like, relax. Like, make some Welsh cakes. Relax. There's not going to be enough marmalade. I can tell you that. Ugh. <laughs> Ooh, marmalade on Welsh cakes. Now that is good. So yeah, he decided to try and mail himself home. So sending a box in the cargo hold of a plane was way cheaper and apparently could be paid for on arrival. Um, so he made these new friends from Ireland called John and Paul, and he pitched this idea to them. <laughs> now, what do you think? And it's the 60s as well. And John and Paul and part of me, like, I was disappointed they was weren't from the Liverpool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I know. I was like, <laughs> I was going to make was the Ringo joke, but I didn't want to go there. <laughs> um, do, what do you think these guys when this, so they met him at, a, at the hostel and he said, look, I'm homesick. I'm thinking of mailing myself back. What do you think? What, what's their reaction? How much are you going to pay us? I would imagine. I mean, <laughs> okay. Young guys in a hostel. Have you ever stayed in a hostel? I would literally <laughs> eat my own arm to get out of a hostel. They are horrendous places <laughs> and very unsanitary. So I'm guessing they, they were just on the make. I like the thought that there could be a human aspect to this story and they just wanted to help the guy, you know, get home. But I would imagine this was about the cash. Really. Okay. Okay. I remember staying in a hostel in Edinburgh and going to the like, reception. And they were like, oh, it's through here. And they took me through an open gate that like led up these sort of like stairs to an open door that led to the front door of the house, which was open, and then into the room that was open. And I was like, I've, we've literally just walked from the street <laughs> into the room I'm staying in and there's no like fucking locks, nothing gets. And I was like, oh, thank you. I don't feel sad. <laughs> <laughs> Did you stay there the next night as well then? Oh, I had to because yeah. like, I had to, we had to stay there for a week and me and my friend were just like, I was like, I'm taking the top bunk, no reason. I was just like, if somebody comes in and tries to kill us, then you kill the top, the bottom bunk first, right? I think. Yeah, you would for ease, yeah. 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 I don't sorry know, to if friend. your knees are bad, you're not going to want to crouch down. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> not where I thought this story would go, but this is interesting. So what do you guys think? So you, uh, Do you think John what and Paul... What was the question again? Were John and Paul up for it? Do you th or what was their reaction? I bet they're bored. I bet they're bang up for this adventure. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I do think they're going to want some money for it. I agree. Like, they're going to want something in return, but I bet they're like, yes, we're in this rat-infested hostel, been waiting for a moment like this. Okay, in that case, I'm going to go opposite. I think they were psychology students and I think they did a little quiz and they made him fill out all these things to see if he was of sound mind. And then when he seemed like he was, they made him sign some kind of improvised 
legal waiver that they couldn't be in trouble for helping him or something. I love the way you think teenage boys think. Like when they're sort of <laughs> doing something nuts. boys are so clever, you guys. We should just let them be in charge of everything. Yeah. I was just picturing this sad university. They'd be like, oh, you're going to have to stay in a hostel, though. <laughs> <laughs> With rats. What are we going to do? Put you up in some sort of dormitory situation no <laughs> do you know what i'm thinking though this must have been pre-internet times oh yeah i mean 1964 yeah so, so <laughs> you can see i've been drinking <laughs> was 1964 pre-internet um yeah so they wouldn't have been able to that's what i love it's like people did mad things like this because there was no other option and you wouldn't be able to google it and go how would i how yeah, there's mail no youtube myself? video I'm, to help you totally not some plucky <laughs> vlogger hey guys mail yourself back home here's how um, i email myself here's how like I email subscribe. um yeah so i don't know i feel like all these it just sounds like super plausible that that all did happen in those times because yeah i grew up without the internet so i mean i made some bad choices because of it <laughs> Yeah. You're completely right, though. It's certainly of its time. I feel like it's... Also, I feel like security was certainly more lax back then. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, that any of this actually happened is, like, the idea of that. Like, we're not even allowed to take water onto flights anymore. Like, the idea of this happening now is just bonkers. I think you could just give your ticket to someone else. Like, I don't I don't even know if it had your is identity on it. Is Titanic and that's what happened to Titanic? <laughs> <laughs> I believe that's the plot line, isn't it? Where we, <laughs> oh, yeah, he wins tickets. it off someone, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. And they do like a, a card game or something, I think. And um, yeah. Oh, it'd been so much better if Leo had come out of a big box. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So according to Brian, uh, Paul thought I was stupid, but John was a bit more easygoing. So after three days, it took him three days to convince them that this was a good idea. And obviously he needed people to seal him in the box. That was the big See, thing. See, I thought Lennon needed. was going to be the uptight one, but, you know, you <laughs> can't question history. <laughs> um, so talking of the box that he mailed himself home in, how big do you think it was in inches? Let's go inches. Ooh. Yeah. Oh. How long's the journey? He's not, is he flying in 64? Is this cargo ship? He's flying in 64. Okay, so it's, but it's still a 24 hour flight, right? Oh my God. And then they're stopping over somewhere. Yeah, they'll be, stop, they'll be stopping over. So it's going to be a few days, like two so or three days. Three days, yeah. door to door. Yeah. Is it going to stay in there? Like, is it going to go to the bathroom in there? What's, what's the plan? I, he must have a bottle or something. Oh my he must God. Must do. I mean, all right. Welsh guys. Genetically, they they can be a bit squat, you know, like rugby build. So okay. I reckon it's going to be really disturbingly small. Like it'll be, it'll only be like six feet by three feet. Okay, I gave it to you in feet. <laughs> but that's only that's only two dimensions. There's another. It's three D, Taylor. <laughs> I mean, I've only got two dimensions, actually, to be fair. Oh. <laughs> and one and a half feet deep. Okay. That's almost worse that he's lying flat like in a coffin. That's basically it? a coffin. I know. <laughs> I just described. I guess I was picturing him sort of curled up, but maybe he can stretch and then curl the other way because that's going to get uncomfortable. Like I once had to stay at someone's house and they, they, 
<laughs> I had a really short sofa, so I had to be curled. So you know what this is like. <laughs> and then I and then it just hurt so much that I just went on the floor in the end. Gosh. Yeah, what I've said is really, really ridiculous. Um, my, my point really helps. <laughs> well, no, because you you just couldn't you just couldn't do that no matter how nuts you were. It's gonna have to be like a shipping container. It would be really traumatizing to be in a coffin-shaped box for oh three my days. Gosh. You'd be mad at the end of that, whatever. I mean, yeah, and this... we come back to David Blaine. <laughs> yes. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean, I'm not here to say that this wasn't traumatizing. This was definitely traumatizing for him. But the reason why I think it's like interesting to talk about and it's interesting that it's come out sort of, it was a very big story at the time, but also now it's because he wants to find these guys. So what I'm saying, if if like your granddad is called John or Paul and comes from Ireland and remembers and this, Australia. We're, trying to, we're trying to help Brian have a pint with these guys. <laughs> um, but it was also how, traumatizing. How Brian now? Sorry. So he's he's in his 70s now, I think. Because it would have been 19 in 1964, and it's impossible to work out the maths on that. But he's probably yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, he must dine out on this story every fucking day. You would. You'd be like that time it was in a box. Yeah, I mean, it's it's <laughs> such also, an audacious thing to do. Imagine trying to dine out on this story, and there'll be a certain crowd that are really impressed, and then there'll be a certain crowd that are like, "You did fucking what, mate?" <laughs> and just like think he's insane. And that's how you know who they- your real friends are. He would have waited a period of time as well before he told anyone, I'm assuming. I agree with you. He probably shows off about it. But I I know someone who did a really huge ticket fraud in the 60s. Oh. And he told me that where um, it was in a European country, but where he did it, there's like, I don't know what the word for that is. It's not an embargo or whatever, but like after 30 years, if the crime's not, Oh, Oh, statue statue of limitations. That's it, that one. (gasps) So, yeah, so he didn't say anything for 30 years and now he talks about it and tells people about it. Uh, Oh, my God. I can just imagine this man in a pub, like, just... Just a ball yeah, for imagine. thirty years. When the, the, the <laughs> like the conversation's gone quiet, and he's like, "What is so something?" Oh, I love the idea that he counted down, but it was like five fifteen <laughs> at night. He's like five, four, three. Two. Okay, guys. Yeah. Also, would he have been upside down for some of this time? Because that would be awful. You yeah. just feel I so mean, sick. Especially if it was a coffin. But imagine if you were just upside like you'd all the blood would go to your head. You'd be yeah. fucked. Yeah. How big is this fucking thing? Okay, yeah, so this thing, to... this box. It's 36 inches by 24 inches. Hang on. So 36 no, inches is just under a meter. So it's like a meter. No, so no, 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 no. So he's curled up. That's 24 what he... inches is two feet by yeah, what? I don't know, but, but that's what it said on the, the thing. So it's like a so... meter. So he's like, he's crouching in, like with his feet against his... I mean, that does seem quite small now I think about it. Um, Because I've got other things that are just under a meter, include a baseball bat, a guitar, the height of a five-year-old, or half of Richard Osman. And that (laughs) that does... But it was was genuinely... Tell you which one I'd rather crouch in. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what? Um, So it it was very, very small, basically. I mean... So it's worse than I described, because he has to scrunch up? Worse than you described. Um, he has to scrunch I'm picturing up. like a washing machine sized box now. Is I that mean, kind what we're of, talking yeah. about? Yeah. Couldn't you have just gone in a horse box? Or is this, did he not think of that? But again, it's money, isn't he? He has no money and it costs mm. more to send a, a bigger thing. I see, I see. So yeah. Brian took six items with him in the box. What do oh, you think? What part took? of Wales is he from? <laughs> I think he's from Cardiff, actually. Okay, Carter, I lived there for a few years. It's lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see. 
all right, fine. There were a few places where I was going to be like, <laughs> I love if it, like, if it was Haverford West, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Scrunched up in a box for Bridge End. <laughs> Drunk women solving There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So guys, six items. I reckon he had something to pee in that was sealable. Okay, yeah. And the, God, I hope it dark, was sealable. You don't, get, you don't want to get your water bottle mixed up, do you? Because that's just going to be all kinds of wrong. Mm. Yes, Oh, and my, a torch. One of them was a torch. A torch. Yes. Do you know what? I'm going to like put these up, but like mark these off as we do it. Yes, there was a urine bottle. There was yes. a water bottle. There was a torch. Um, we've got there are only three more. Food? Is that one item? Yeah, there's got to be something to eat. Do you know what? A oh, porn magazine. <laughs> <laughs> Not a long flight. That's a dedication, though. I mean, come on. Yeah, <laughs> that and then, really like, is a challenge. Is that a luxury item? Or is it an assessment? Think about it. <laughs> if he's 19, I think it's probably a necessity, isn't it? <laughs> Guys, Although when you're 19, you... all you need is a water bottle and you just pretend it's a woman. <laughs> it doesn't take that much. <laughs> there was a tiny hammer so he could get out of the box once he um, landed in London. Um, <laughs> and a pillow. Those were his six items. A pillow, of course. God, okay. Yeah. And do we know what the food was? Well, there wasn't any food listed, so I don't know. Apparently, he took laxatives before he went, so he wouldn't need to go. Oh, I think that's he, smart. Yeah, I think he only thought it was a couple of days, so maybe he was like, I'll go without food because it's not... For-. Also, his suitcase. Um, the suitcase he took out to Australia, he had in the box with him as well. Uh-huh. Um, so he had some Tim Tams in there. Stereotypes! <laughs> <laughs> I love this clap for stereotypes. Um, okay, basically, the big day comes... John and Paul seal Brian into the crate and organise a truck to come and pick him up, take him to the airport. What do you think their last words were to him? Good luck. Good luck. Let us know when you get there, like write to us. Yeah, let us know when you get there. You're bonkers, mate. <laughs> You're bonkers, mate. A what, one last ditch attempt to stop him. If you get caught, it wasn't us. <laughs> I, I can't believe that he trusted them so much to not Ooh. just hammer him in there and take the cash. I mean, not that that would be a very nice thing to do, 
But I just don't, I don't understand the amount of trust that he had. So that's, I'm sorry, I'm struggling to think what they You're would say right. to him. Because they actually seem to be quite decent people. And they yeah. just done this on a, a basis of like, oh, can you hammer in, me into a box? Yeah, absolutely fine. I'll just hammer myself out when I get there. Brilliant. I mean, I, I cannot, you just, I don't think that would happen in this day and age. And that's maybe because I have less faith in humans. Um but yeah, like I think they sound like two absolute legends, these guys. And I want to meet them and go for a drink with them. <laughs> um, <laughs> now. Um, yeah, I love it. Well, yeah, I mean, it's true. I don't think any money exchanged hands or anything. Wow. Um, yeah. yeah, it was more of a kind of so basically, uh, they tapped on the side of the box and said, Are you okay? He said yes, and they said, Good luck. So Katie, again, you're Aww. smashing the sound of the park. Yeah, so Brian says. Uh, he said for the first 10 minutes, it was fine. <laughs> we had three more days, <laughs> Brian. Like, Fucking idiot. You've not thought this through. But then he said his knees started to cramp up because he's holding them so close to his chest. Oh, God. Um, I could have told him that. I know. So he's dropped off at the airport and the first part of his journey is from Melbourne to Sydney. Uh, so things immediately start to go wrong. Um, what do you think went wrong with this first flight? It only lasts 90 minutes, this flight. But it was something that he hadn't thought about. That is then being in a box would be a terrible idea on a plane. Okay, yes. Is the box, I'm wondering how secure it is. Is it sliding around? Mm. (laughs) Like, is he going on his side? You can't pee when you're sliding. (laughs) God knows Katie's tried. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine it would be pretty cold on an aircraft, especially if it's in the hold. So I wonder if it's... Excellent point. Oh my God, air pressure too. Air pressure, They're not giving him special air pressure. Yes. Well, this is, yes, this is the thing. It's So this is direct quote from Brian. He says, the plane took off and it was only then I thought about oxygen. <gasps> These oh planes were not pressurised, so there was very little oxygen in the hole. <gasps> Basically, he's on that flight for 90 minutes, but he's okay. He's okay. He's unloaded onto the... Has he got t- air holes? And st- he must have air holes. He's going to have holes in it somewhere, I think. But it's just that the atmosphere where he was just had oh my god not that much oxygen um so he's unloaded onto the tarmac something else happens that makes it worse still what do you think happens and it has something to do that was written on the side of the box this end up but it was the wrong end okay this end up but the wrong end yeah oh that's that's a good guess i mean it's good it's great it's right okay so (laughs) (laughs) that is exactly what happened what a thing to get wrong when you're packing your friend into a box. Jeez, like, yeah. <laughs> well, it wasn't that John and Paul got it wrong. Oh, it they that, they added it. Well, oh. it was just that they ignored it. They didn't give a shit that it was the wrong way up. Like mm. they didn't read the side of the thing. The guys that were packing, unpacking, I assume oh. they thought some, something else was in it. Like it certainly wasn't going to be a human man. Um, <laughs> so he's essentially sitting on his neck. Um, oh, fuck. Oh, God. Yeah. For the long journey. Well, this is for 22 hours. He's on the tarmac <gasps> on his head. Um, so then he's... I mean, we've talked about, like, cannibalism and necrophilia on this podcast, but, like, this is awful. This is <laughs> this putting is the his worst knee thing. cramp into perspective. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, basically, after 22 hours, he's turned the right way up. Thank goodness. He's loaded on a plane destined for the UK, but something else goes wrong. Can't take it. What, what else goes wrong? And actually, I feel like I've fucked that question because he is not loaded on a plane destined for the UK. Oh, oh no, he gets sent to the wrong place. Shut up. I know. He that, ends up in San Francisco. Well, that plane is full, so they're like, okay, let's put this on a plane somewhere else. Where, oh, do, no. you think, where do you think he's destined for now? Ireland. <gasps> Ireland, that would be lovely. 
Back to Australia. Back to Australia, Taylor. That would be that would be the, the perfect Alanis Morissette. Is that would I mean that would she needs to do a sequel? <laughs> she does about Brian. <laughs> um, I'm going with Australia just because when it would be beautiful. Up, that's a good dramatic answer. That would it's be the gonna, film. That would be the film. Yeah. It's. I feel like it's got to be somewhere near-ish the UK. They're like, come mm. on, let's get in closer. So it's maybe Europe. That's why I said Ireland. Okay, yes. Yeah, yeah if, the, if the cargo is destined for London, it's just going to be somewhere that has a regular stopover. But that could be anything. It could be like, I'm going to say Newtown. No, but <laughs> Hannah said the, the UK. So it's got to be like not the UK. Yeah, it's not the UK. It's kind yeah, of it's glamorous. Like Cape Town. Cape Town, okay. Anybody want to change their answers when I say Paris, that it's glamorous? Paris, Dusseldorf. Paris, Dusseldorf. Duffel, Dusseldorf. <laughs> Duffelbag. Did you say it was glamorous? It was. Or it, it is glamorous. glamorous. Oh, it is glamorous. Oh, Hollywood. Cuba. Paris. Ah, Cuba, Paris. Milan. It's Hollywood. LA. Oh, what? no. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> That's so far. I mean, it's so far. Much That's longer nothing journey. like the UK. <laughs> nothing. I mean, this is the thing as well. It's like, it was supposed to go to London. They were just like, should we just send it to LA? But, I mean, again, it says here that the flight took five days and I'm not quite sure how <laughs> it could have taken five days. But, you know, Brian is having a terrible time. He says the pain was unbearable. He was drifting in and out of consciousness. Oh um, five days later, the plane touches down in LA and his plan has always been that he'd wait until nighttime, knock the side of the crate out with a hammer, and mm. then just walk home. So his plan That's was tricky. Yeah, his plan was to walk home, I guess, from London to Wales. Um, and he, in his words, he says, "That's how stupid the whole thing was." So he, yeah. like, you know, looking back, he knows. Um, so do you think he escapes when he gets to LA? Do you think he he gets out, or do you think he gets caught? in the plane or, you know, on the tarmac. I know. I think he has a mental breakdown and starts screaming and shouting and someone gets him out or something. Okay. like, he, like, also his plan to get himself out with a hammer doesn't work if he's hemmed in by other boxes. Very true. How did he know that they were in Hollywood at that point? Well, this is, I'm going to ask that question in a minute. He saw Mel Gibson through his peephole. (laughs) (laughs) Don't we all do? Um... (laughs) Yeah, because that's that's the only bit. Like, is he fully like? It's like when you have an operation and you're awake and you can hear everything. I, I like to think that he couldn't hear anything, but as you said before, like the guys were talking to him through the box, which is even worse. That he could hear everything that was going on around him. Mm. Yeah, but he didn't know. He didn't know he was in LA. He thought he touched he down in London. Oh my god! So he gets oh. out and starts walking. Well, does he? That's my it's- question for you. Well, the whole thing about LA is that the landscape is supposed to look like everywhere so that you can film all kinds of films there. So maybe he's like, oh, I don't remember this bit, but I guess Wales is that way. (laughs) Also, he's probably never been to London before, like apart from maybe to fly out to Australia. Because he's 19, he's from Wales, you know, maybe he's kind of, it's it's 1964. Um, Taylor, what do you think? He arrives in your great country. And then what happens? I really hope he gets out of the box and it takes him a little while to, <laughs> to realise that he's not in London. <laughs> he's I mean, that, that'll be bigger. the comedy part of the film too. Yeah, it's it? so yeah. sunny. And pe- oh, to people talking at cross purposes with each other. At that point, you're going to need some fucking comedy as well after you've had the five days in the plane. <laughs> Who is the Prime was... Minister? What's a Prime Minister? <laughs> I think he would stay in the box because I think he's gone that far. If he's the kind of personality that's 
that's really gone for this, yeah. you know, and stayed silent in that box for so long. I think he will stay silent until he's a hundred percent sure. I don't know what, but in his mind, what was the sign? What is a big enough sign for him to come out of the box? Mm. You know, had he thought that far ahead? It sounds to me like he hadn't really thought any of it through. No, within <laughs> 10 minutes, he was like, oh, this hurts, this stress yeah. position I've put myself in. Honestly, yeah. So basically, he was about to make his escape and he put his torch on because it was night. He dropped the torch. It went to the bottom of the crate and two night shift workers spotted it and were like, what on earth is that? Oh, um, it's like Titanic. Just, just at the end, <laughs> when they put the torch and they're like kicking the dead bodies over in the water. <laughs> oh my God. Um, so basically, they open it to discover Brian Robson. How do you think they reacted to this? <sighs> wow. I mean, is this like, this is 1964. In LA. In LA. They, I don't think they would have been so worried about terrorism so much at that stage but I I would imagine yeah it depends if he was speaking in a in a Welsh accent as well they probably wouldn't have understood what he was saying just thought he was you know like political asylum seeker or something yeah. they got very confused yeah they probably weren't pro-immigration in 64 <laughs> I'm guessing not it looks like yeah were they also film producers and they're like you are perfect for the film we're doing come out Sonny no 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 you can pee in a nice toilet from now on <laughs> bring um, your pillow with you <laughs> uh, they I mean they screamed and shouted, yeah. there's a body in there. They, they thought he was dead. Oh, wow, because he's just... No, he's awake, though, but he's... He's he in, looks yeah. bad. Yeah, and, and he said stinks. that he... I bet he stinks as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. He said he couldn't move and he couldn't really talk, so they kind of were just like, oh, my God. You he's know, had he, no nutrition for five days, has he? Yeah, he's not in a good way. Um, Is and this what, how the 5-2 diet gets started? <laughs> oh, my God. 5-2 diet is evil. Have you done it? It's horrible. I've no, I can't do things it's not for like me. that. <laughs> I remember my friend gave up after five days and I was like, wait. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how do you think, I mean, he immediately realised he was in America. This is just a logic question, really. Mm. How did he realise he was in America? They hey, had sunnies. guns. <laughs> oh yeah, they would have guns, wouldn't they? Guns. Uh, the accent, the air's different. The air's always different, isn't it? You can always tell... I remember going to Florida and getting off the plane and my hair just went into this giant afro and you know <laughs> straight away you're in Florida. So I think you, you can smell the air. You'd know that it's not, it's not. Yeah, there UK were palm air. trees. The security mm -hmm. guards were wearing Mickey Mouse t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> With flags. But it, it was as simple as their accents. It was them saying like, there's a body in there. And he was like, fuck me, I'm in the USA. Like, oh God, what right. has happened? So basically, they confirmed... I don't get how a parcel that's destined for London can end yeah. up being diverted there. And then what was the plan? Oh, well, anyway. I, no, you know bonkers. how the Welsh tell their stories. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Once they confirmed that he was alive, they rushed him to hospital. He spent six days recovering. And there was that will have cost him. There's no NHS. <laughs> That would have cost him yeah. more than the £800 it would have cost him to just fucking <laughs> renege on his two-year promise. Still yeah. paying it off today. <laughs> and That's a very good point. <laughs> so, yeah, there was a media frenzy. Like, people went mad for it. Do you think he was charged for what he did? Because 
you know, he has broken some laws there. He's kind of, he's illegally in the US. Um, you're not supposed to, well, you're not allowed legally to send livestock, including humans, <laughs> I guess, yeah. in, the, in the mail. Um, so do you think he was charged? I don't think he was charged because I think he sounds like a stupid criminal. And I think stupid criminals get away with things. Um, so I think they took pity on him. He was young. Yeah. He, if he'd have played along with that and been sort of, you know, oh, I'm such a wide-eyed idiot and I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't aware I was in a box kind of thing that he might have got away with it. Yeah, and I think there is some truth to that as well. I think that he genuinely, from what I've read about it, like yeah. I genuinely think that he he didn't really th- think it through, but he's obviously taken it to this ridiculous degree. What do you guys think? Do you think he's charged? I don't. I, yeah, I think he's 19. Is it, no, Kennedy's dead. Who's in charge? Johnson. It, the era isn't too triggered. No, happy. Nixon. Nixon? Oh, it's Nixon's era. They, do they want to appear Johnson? strong on Nixon. mailed immigration? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I feel like he could be charged, but that he can just sell his story now and just pay yeah. off, pay all the yeah, legal true. fees. I think, yeah, this is this is the thing. So no charges were filed against him. Um, Pan Am arranged for him to fly back to London first class. Oh, Pan Am. Shut up. <laughs> first class. First class, mate. I mean, I don't want to encourage people to do this, but it's not a bad way of getting uh... Yeah. <laughs> I love the idea, though, that he's still, like, I know he was in hospital recovering, but that he just looked like shit and he was emaciated <laughs> and he gets on. Everyone's like, who's this guy? He's in first class with us. Oh, hello. <laughs> Um, yeah, so apparently they get loads of television cameras like when he landed back in London and he did some interviews and apparently his family were like really pleased to see him but also like fuming. They were just like, what are you idiot kind of thing. Um, but he mostly tried to put it all behind him. Um, until now, like I said earlier, he wants to find John and Paul um, and buy them a beer. Um, he's also, also the thing is he's about to release a book about it. And like you said, Alexis, she, there may be this movie. The movie is on the, on the horizon of this yeah. story. I Man have in some a box. questions. Did Australia not want to chase him down for the 800 quid that he still technically owes, mm. owes them? Interesting, interesting. I mean, I, I haven't read that they did. Because otherwise everyone's just going to mail themselves home and Australia's <laughs> going to lose loads of fruit pickers or whatever. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not convinced he was like a, much of a kind of a selling point for it when like, you know, because he said it was just agonising. But sure, but like A, he owes the money. B, it's bad PR for their little scheme. Hmm. Yeah, it's really bad PR. Like also I've read some other... It would like, be worse PR if they went after him for the money. Yeah. <laughs> That's true, that's true. Yeah, I think they looked at the optics and they were like, do you know what? Let him, let him get on with, with his life. He survived a box, fair play. They probably destroyed that scheme. They don't do it anymore. Now they won't let anyone into their country. This is why you have to have over 50 grand in the bank to move Ooh. to Australia now. He broke the system, unfortunately. Exactly. Have you ever travelled in a box? Tick, tick the box. <laughs> so, and, and like, what's made it? So he's got a book coming out. Mm-hmm. Is there any other reason why he's suddenly like, so you just got locked down fever and I'm going to write a fucking book. I mean, it seems so like... I don't a... have to talk to my family in lockdown. <laughs> it seems and like then, a long time I need to track since. down these guys because that will help me sell my book. 
<laughs> well, I mean, talking of the book, what do you think the name of the book is? I mean, you know, Trapped I was in a, a box. dick when I was Trapped 19. In a box. I was a dick when I was 19. Trapped in a box, Taylor. <laughs> yeah, I said man in a box. Man in a box. But We're talking puns here. Boxing right. clever. Box clever. Well, box oh, clever. That's Boxing a good clever. That's one. Um, All right, if we're talking puns. Yeah. Um, movie pun. I'll give you a clue. A movie pun. A movie you might watch at Christmas from the olden timey days. Christmas oh, box. With the, with the motorcycle that was bought on Alexis's um, <laughs> <laughs> credit card. Uh, Steve McQueen. It's a Easy wonderful box. The great escape. But the. Box escape. <laughs> the great escape, guys. It was the, the great escape. escape. Oh, <laughs> oh, my God. That's, a, that's amazing. It's oh, like I've never had a Christmas that. cracker. We should have got that, guys. <laughs> How's he I think it's so a long? wonderful box is much better, but... <laughs> wonderful box. Also, yeah, and I prefer there's a giant idiot in a box is also a good... <laughs> He's not going to like our podcast. I've really slagged him off. I mean, Katie's gone in pretty hard. I'm not going to lie. I, I didn't mean to. I was like, I was really enjoying it. But then I just kind of feel like... Children's author Katie Wilkins lays in on the pensioner who's penned his story. Yeah. Who am I going to attack next? Captain Tom? <laughs> yeah, oh, my God. <laughs> but, but yeah, you, I'm not. That man is a treasure. <laughs> Sorry, continue. But it is interesting. Like, yeah, I'm not sure quite why now he's decided to do it. Like I say, at the time, it's always, I always find it interesting on this podcast when we find things that were huge, huge media mm-hmm. sensations that we've just never, ever heard of. I'd never heard of this before. In fairness, if this all happened the way that he says, this is a, it's funny, but it's a hell of a traumatic experience. Yeah. And he's of a generation that was not told, especially, you know what I mean? Like picture that year yeah. and coming back and like, yeah. just pick yourself up and move on. Great story, but move on. We don't want to hear about it. And like, maybe he didn't want to sit and relive it until now. And I feel like people, this is when people get writing, isn't it? It's like in their later years, they're like, I'm finally going to tell my story. Yeah, I think it would be interesting. It'd be an interesting, particularly the film as well would be an interesting thing to to watch because it's a bit of a, it's a weird story because it's sort of like, like there's a couple of movies, aren't there? Like the kind of buried underground one. There's one where it's just a guy buried underground for the whole thing. What it's going to be 127 hours, but with comedy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the guy that cuts off his arm, right? Yeah. Because yeah. that's what I was picturing. We just got like eyes on the box. Like it's not. I don't know. I was thinking of what? What are we watching? Have you seen um? The, is it called the Mauritanian? Oh, um, I haven't seen it. It's a new film. It's about. It's a true story about a guy who was wrongly accused of being a terrorist, and they show all the torture. And I keep thinking because one of the things that they did was they made him stand like sort of upside down and they, um, mm. for hours on end. And it is, you know, it's a well-known torture technique as is waterboarding or whatever. But yeah. um, so I keep, I keep thinking of that and, and going back to what Taylor was saying about the, the level of trauma. He sounds like quite a sort of an easy, compl- uncomplicated, bit of an idiot kind of guy um, who's actually gone through something very traumatic. So I'm, I'm just amazed that, yeah, I don't know why it's taken so long for the story to come out. Um, and in, if he... Woke up in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one's made a film about this until now. I mean, we've had the canoe <laughs> guys a had a good point. TV show why, out. Why hasn't the option been like doing the rounds this whole time? Who knows though? Like development hell. He was. He probably yes. signed an option the minute he's only he just got the rights back. 
Yeah, yeah. exactly. After 60 <laughs> well, years. And I don't think he literally like flew into Hollywood. Like I think he was at LAX. <laughs> like, oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, it's I mean. Not like he was. No, I like the idea that he's in West Hollywood on the in sunset. In the studio. Like, oh, you know, <laughs> I love the Taylor walked past. <laughs> yeah. <the> chat. <laughs> um, well, guys, I mean, that's pretty much the end of this story. But like I say, if you've got an uncle or a grandfather called John or Paul who came from <laughs> Ireland, maybe lives in Australia now, get in touch with Brian Robson because he wants to buy you a pint. Oh my so, God, if we reunite these people, like, wow. come on, I want I know. this so bad. I, do, I want the like, PR. What's, what's to stop someone claiming to be the people and they're not the people? He would recognise them though, wouldn't he? Even even though it's been a lot of years. It's impossible to do the math, obviously. Um, <laughs> but he would recognise them. He would recognise their, their accents for a start. I think so. I think like also like, I mean, how far would you go for a pint? Like it's going yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to fucking pint. That's a really sad reason to come forward, but. <laughs> you wouldn't be just coming forward for the pint. You'd be getting it like, there'd be some attention seekers, like how everybody claimed to be B- B.D. Cooper. Cooper. Oh, yeah, B.D. B.D. Cooper, <laughs> yeah. There'll be fakers coming through saying, I'm, I'm the Irish guy that put him in a box. Yeah, also, you'd just be like, ooh, who's going to play me in the movie? Like, Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Brian, I hope that uh, you find John, Paul and Ringo and um, <laughs> here's to stupid shit you do when you're a teenager. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. What a story. Oh what a story. my god. Drunk women solving crime. Okay, guys. As you know, I do my patron shout-outs with a different theme every time. And yesterday it was the Oscars. So even though this is coming out in several weeks, we're gonna do a little Oscars theme if that's okay. I know that sounds more like a baseball game, but it's been a while since I actually watched the Oscars. And now, presenting the award for best new patron, it's Kim Cattrall. (laughs) We love her. Oh, hi. You know, I never won an Oscar, but believe me, I've had a few inside me. (laughs) (laughs) They say a podcast is only as strong as its supporters. And these formidable nominees are the latest to come aboard the drunk women train. Mm. What a ride. <laughs> okay. The nominees are Lynn Bobier. I probably said that wrong, so get in touch. I like touch. Laura Eldridge. Jimmy. Rosie. John Christensen, who'd like to give his partner Dora Sherbuck a shout out. Oh, honey, I hope you're giving her more than that. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Madeline Miller. Mm, sounds like an upscale clothing label. I'd wear you. <laughs> and finally, Julie Morris. And the winner is... Every fucking buddy. Oh, that came out wrong. I didn't mean every fucking buddy. I meant everybody, but I put fucking in the middle because I'm Kim Cattrall. <laughs> if you'd like to join Patreon, check us out on patreon.com forward slash drunk women solving crime. P.S. But seriously, what are they going to do without me in the Sex in the City reboot? Pretend I'm dead? Use a deep fake? Mmm, deep. <laughs> Nice. Oh my god, that was incredible. Oh, thanks. Do you do birthday Um, messages? I feel like I feel like you missed this. I wouldn't mind adding that, patrons, if you'd like to add a tear. Yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm so happy you like utilize this amazing skill. This (laughs) makes me so happy every time. 
It was just outdated for so long, Katie. You know, like I couldn't do it in stand-up anymore because it's like, oh, nobody's talking about sex in the city anymore. And then it was just like, hmm, this is the comeback we needed. It just is. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Well, thank you, Taylor. That was was beautiful. So we've just got enough time for a listener crime. So a listener has written it, and this is from Dominique. And she says, oh, wise drunk women. This has been weighing on my mind this season of Lent. She sent this in a few weeks ago. Thought I'd share the most shocking crime I've ever been the victim of. When I was in my last year of primary school, our class was preparing for the most exciting event of the year, the Lenten Project. This involved all of the year six running stalls in the school hall for a week of lunchtimes and fleecing the younger kids of all their pocket money in the name of charity fundraising. The most popular stall that year was an ingenious smoothie bar. I still have no idea where they got the equipment and hygiene ratings. (laughs) They were were taking in the cash, but one afternoon, late in the week, their kitty went missing. All of the money they had been collecting... (laughs) I'm sorry, Katie's cat's tail went just as she she said that. Oh, she had one kitty. (laughs) Not that kind of kitty. Um, All the money they had been collecting and the old Haribo tub they used as a till had disappeared. No suspect was named that Just because literally all those words, like Americans won't understand what a kitty is, what Haribo is, <laughs> or possibly what it's like. <laughs> it's, it's candy your, and it's a float. It's your jar of cash. Yeah. <laughs> Just translating. Do you know what? I think I liked this. And I know Dominique as well. She's like a mate. And uh, when I read this, I was like, this is so funny because it's so relatable, but it's because we're about the same age and we obviously went to a similar school because like every single word of this, I'm like, oh my God, I sold bookmarks for our project, like made bank. Um, But yeah, so basically somebody had stolen from charity. Dominique goes on to say, when I got home, I threw my bag down in the middle of the hallway, as usual, only to hear the incriminating jangle of loose change in a plastic tub. (gasps) Oh, no. I screamed and ran upstairs crying, (laughs) assuming I was about to be sent to jail for alleged theft. When I finally explained the problem to my parents, they opened my bag to find the Haribo till (gasps) swag bag containing measly coppers. All of the pound coins and 50p's had been removed. Wow. I was a massive goody-goody at school and had already taken Catholic guilt on as part of my personality. (laughs) I forced my parents to call my teacher that night and accompany me into school the next day to protest my innocence, Dominique. I was never punished, but we never worked out who it was who took the money and what they did with it. Please help. Who framed 10-year-old me, Dominique? Oh, Oh, someone really Or siblings. Always ruddy siblings, isn't it? Always (laughs) siblings. The jealous, older, thwarted sibling, I reckon. Okay, an older sibling. That's that's an that's interesting, um an interesting thought. Do you have a an older sibling that you're (laughs) (laughs) I do, yeah. Yeah, felt very specific. (laughs) It's very specific. (laughs) It's an older sibling called Jane. (laughs) No. (laughs) No, that's a good train of thought though. Hmm. Wait, so now Dominique was working on one of the stalls? Yeah. But she was working on the Haribo stall. She was working on another stall and the smoothie bar had a hell of a taking. Like they took all the money and it was the smoothie bar's money that went missing and was placed in her backpack. And what stall was she working on? I don't know. We have a few suspects. She's put PS. Oh, Oh, go on. Oh, no, I just, I feel like it was somebody who was jealous of the good stall. So it could have been one of her co-workers on her stall. 
Okay. And then they've just framed her because they were like, quick, just putting it there. Okay. I okay. think it was the greedy smoothie bitches. <gasps> oh, I think it was the smoothie people themselves. They saw how much they were raking in, had no idea that was about to happen. And they're like, charity, but, or we uh, could take it. And then let's blame it on Dominique. She's such a goody goody. Do you know what? I mean, that sort of, that feels like it checks out. Like it was the smoothie bar. It's always the smoothie bitches. (laughs) (laughs) They come in different forms. There's different beverages, but there's always smoothie bitches. It definitely feels like, because it's like this thing that everyone's properly invested in. So it really could be anyone. Like, just really. There's going to be rivalries between these stalls. There'll be people like, I wanted the fucking smoothie stall. I'll show them. I'm stuck down here in you know, whatever stool I've got. Like. Go with that or the head nun. Smoothie oh. bitches or the head nun. No, she says the suspects was the coolest boy in class was called Connor and he had always had a girlfriend from year four, which means he was a badass. There was also a guy called Stephen who cried once when we played the Spice Girls at a Christmas party. He wanted prodigy, <laughs> hindsight, respect. There was a whole other class of five and six years on our corridor and they shared the cloakroom and toilets with us. Her I husband. mean, Stephen sounds like a, a very, very strong suspect. Do you think so? Information alone. I mean, that's that's very specific information. <laughs> um, so you know, they left the coppers. Is that just like a dirty protest? Was that just to make a point? I think it feels that way, doesn't it? Yeah, that's quite Ooh. that's quite cruel, isn't it? You know, that's true. We've set that... you up and mm. left you with the coppers. Mm. Yeah, that is an extra fuck you, isn't it? Could be the smoothie right. bitches then, because they are if, if if they're bitchy, that's a bitch move. If yeah, if they're the mean girls of the mm. charity raising fundraiser, do you know what? I feel like I feel like it's the smoothie bitches. I think this is the first time we've properly solved one, so this is amazing. <laughs> Dominique, I really hope that's helped. Because... So we're looking for John and Paul for fun things and smoothie bitches to finally step forward. <laughs> That's all we have time for, apart from we've got just enough time left to say, Alexis, what what are you up to? Where can people find you? What can we what can we see? What can we oh, cool. how can we follow you? Uh, so I'm on Twitter at Alexis Drum and I have my own Twitch channel where I do lots of comedy shows each week, uh, twitch.tv forward slash Alexis Strum. Nice. If you're not twitching, you should be. You should be. It's all it's all <laughs> newfangled. What do you kids. twitch? What's your um, well, I do a few comedy shows. I do one called The HR Department, which is uh, like a spoof head of HR trying to get comedians new jobs because they're completely <laughs> infeasible now. Um, oh, cool. I do a game show and stuff. It's it's just a really nice way to be creative. And, you know, Fun. I started doing it in lockdown. It's been it's been great. And then um, I'm great. in a series called Almost Never, which comes out in july in fact oh soon yeah so that was really exciting filming in lockdown what a strange new world we live in you know going around with these like you know like when your dog gets its balls chopped and you have to wear one of those (laughs) 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 that's the experience of filming uh during covid yeah yeah (laughs) so who do you play in that I play, um, I don't know, I, I play someone's mum. I play someone's mum. I don't know mm. how much I can say or anything, oh, okay. but it's a really oh. good part. It's a really good part. And it's like the mum of one of the integral characters and she's been mm. brought in for this season. Can, so. can you say the broadcaster? Ooh. It's on the BBC. So yeah, and it comes out July at some point. Um, That's awesome. But yeah, it's amazing. It was lots of fun to be back doing that. Again oh God! Well. I bet that sounds it's been, awesome. a, it's been a very quiet year on the acting front. <laughs> so, yeah, it was good. 
Oh, that's so cool. Right, awesome. well, everybody, check out the Twitch. Check out Almost Never. And if you're called John or um, Paul, <laughs> it could have been you. We don't know. If you want a free beer, get in contact with Brian. But cheers. Thanks, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, Alexis. <laughs> Thank you. Drunk Women Solving Crime is produced by Amanda Redman with music by The Lion and the Wolf. You can follow us on Twitter at Drunk Women Pod and Facebook and Instagram at Drunk Women Solving Crime. And please review us on Apple Podcasts. And if you've got a petty crime you want us to solve, then write it in a review and we'll solve it. Thank you to Acast and thank you for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.